And so the huddle is an important part of a game. But I want to tell you that, that before the, the mid-1800s, there was no such thing as a huddle in a team sport. That's the very first time that it showed up. And so because of that reality, we can conclude this morning that the huddle is not even a, a necessary part of the, the, the team sport game that's being played, but it's, a, it's an important part. And so this morning, as we turn our eyes to this idea of team sports and huddles, I want you to begin to think about the huddle environment and the huddle experience, coming together strategically to devise and communicate a game plan so that you can go out and, and defeat your opponent, your enemy. Well, in my process of research, I have realized something else that is important as a huddle may be. It may blow your mind, but there is nothing in the way of historical records where a team is remembered for their capacity to huddle. I know, I know, that seems ridiculous, right? Uh, you're just thinking there's got to be some kind of huddle records standing in the history books. There's not. There's nothing in the way of uh, the, the necessity or the records achieved through the huddle that make any difference for the history books. And get this, as equally shocking as that is, I have found nowhere in the draft records that any player has been drafted to a team for their unique and gifted capacity to huddle. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you would think there's some pretty good huddlers out there. But as we begin to turn our eyes to team sports and a huddle this morning, I want to point out the connection that I want to make this morning. Just as important as a huddle is to a team sport, our church gathering week to week is like a holy huddle right? It's like a holy huddle. And, and here's the thing. It, it's an important part, but as we, we see this morning, it's not a, a, a focused part of who we are and why we have been created to exist. It's an important part, but it's not everything for the church, and we're going to see why this morning. Yet as the church, we continue and, 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 and press in to put tremendous effort and attention on the huddle environment, don't we? You know what's crazy? Is we have people come and go from our weekly gatherings who are dissatisfied and choose to huddle somewhere else because our huddle is not engaging enough. Or maybe it's not deep enough. And maybe it's not exactly what they were looking for. And can I tell you something this morning, church? Can I tell you something this morning along the lines of a holy huddle? That when I look at the scriptures, when I open the word of God, I see Paul's letters to the New Testament churches. And I see that some attention is given to the huddle and the environment that they choose to huddle in. But there are more things that are given in the way of coming together so that God can use them when they are sent out from the huddle. Let me ask you this. As familiar as that picture is this morning, what happens after the huddle? Does that team break the huddle and then head over to the sideline? Hmm. Or does that team leave the huddle 
and then toe the line of scrimmage. I want to tell you this morning, church, you were made for more than what you've experienced in your life. Don't let the the cultural norms around us dictate or limit you to the life that you live day to day and week to week. A holy huddle is important, but there is so much more. And you weren't made just to come together and talk about the huddle and then walk away and sit on the sideline for the rest of the week. This morning, it's never been about the huddle. It's never been about the huddle. It's about what happens after the huddle breaks. We've been in a three-week series that we're going to wrap up this morning called Living Scent. Living Scent. And if you remember and have been reminded through these last three weeks about what Living Scent means, I want you to to say or or read the words with me on the screen uh, following this morning that Living Scent simply means living the abundant life in Christ wherever he sends us. I think I was the only one reading that out loud. Let's say it again. Ready? Living the abundant life in Christ wherever he sends us. Living sin is the beautifully powerful collision of John chapter 10, verse 10, and John chapter 20, verse 21, where Jesus says, I have come that they may have life abundant. And then the resurrected Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. This morning, if you're taking notes as we conclude our series, I want you to title this morning's message, A Kingdom Deployed. A Kingdom Deployed. If you're not taking notes, I would encourage you to take notes. Because something's important after the huddle breaks today. When Jesus came as a person in the flesh, he put on a bodysuit, he showed up, remember, um, around Christmas time, which, regardless, in the starry night with the the animals in in the stable, Jesus shows up, and he grows up, he lives a perfect life, and he begins to preach his message, and does anybody remember the message that Jesus began to preach when he began to declare his message here, wearing a bodysuit. Was it along our theme of sports this morning? Guess what, guys? I know that was a tough game that you just finished up. Take a deep breath. And good news, you got to buy next round. Grace has come, so you guys just live however you want to. Was that the message that Jesus came to preach? Maybe Jesus showed up in the seventh inning stretch and said, you know what, guys, you've worked so hard to get to this point, you're almost there. Work a little harder, push harder, finish strong. Was that his message? No. The message that Jesus came preaching when he showed up in a bodysuit was that the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus talks a whole lot about the kingdom of heaven as he shows up here on earth. And he instructs his disciples and gives clues to others about the nature of it, what it's like, and how to engage it along the way. And I want to continue as we wrap up our series this morning. I've got several verses that I'm going to run through pretty quickly. And they don't do anything but to just lay the foundation that the kingdom of heaven was an important concept for Jesus as he declared and led his disciples. 
as he preached his message and, and began to, to, to plant in others what uh, he wanted reproduced here on the earth. These words are going to be up on the screen. You can write them down on your notes because something's important after the huddle breaks, right? Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says this. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, this was in advance of Jesus. He says, repent of your sins and turn to God. Y'all say it with me. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Y'all read it with me. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth. Say it with me. As it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. This is the continuation of last week's passage. It says, Jesus tells his disciples whom he is sending out. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. And then Jesus goes on and begins to tell some stories that we call parables because he's trying to explain something that, that these people probably aren't going to understand, probably don't have anything to connect it to. And he begins to say the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast. The kingdom of heaven is like man who sowed good seed in his field. And on and on and on, Jesus begins to, to communicate his heart and his message in ways that he wants the readers and the listeners to understand that the kingdom of heaven has not only come near, but it is the, the very reason that he has come so that we can take the baton on the kingdom. Jesus tells the parables to the crowds so that they could recognize it, but he tells his disciples so that they could represent it. Are you hearing me this morning? If you hear me, say yeah. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19 he keeps going. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 21. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. Read it with me. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Can we agree on something this morning, Shannon Oaks? The, the kingdom of heaven was critical to the message of Jesus. It is why he came, so that we could experience heaven on earth. We don't have to wait until we leave earth. He brought heaven to earth and has planted it within us. We put so much, so much emphasis on the huddle, right? The coming together, the rallying point. There are some great things that happen in a huddle, but I want to read to you what I believe must be the most anti-huddle focused passage in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says this, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. In other words, hear me, church. If the huddle of God's people doesn't powerfully change the way you live, then what are you doing? In other words, if your life 
that you live outside the huddle doesn't demand God's mighty power be present, then why are we here? Man, we put a lot of emphasis on the huddle, don't we? We love to break from the huddle and high-five each other and slap one another on the butt, men. But guys, we forget to toe the line of scrimmage, to step back onto the field and engage the game for which we have been created, for which we have been designed to huddle. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see up on the table here, I've got those three things. Righteousness, peace, and joy. A lot of times we come on Sunday mornings and we sit in the huddle and we look at righteousness and peace and joy. Man, don't those look good. Wow, I want some of that. I need some of that. I need some righteousness in my life. Brian, how about you? You need some righteousness? I got some righteousness for you, bro. Yep. Man, that looks so good. What would it be like for us to experience that righteousness? That's good stuff. You know what? You know, somebody over here, their dog died this week. And I'm not making fun of that. I know that's, for some people, that's a serious season of grief, processing, where the weight of the world can just seem to crash in on you. Somebody needs some peace this morning. And I don't know about you guys, but I see these guys, and I, I say, I need some joy. I need some joy. I need, in fact, let me keep one of those. I need some joy in my life. All right, ready? Set the huddle. Break. And we've come, and we've partaken of these things, and we've sat, and we've admired what they look like. We've considered what it would look like if we were to take them with us. And then we go on outside the huddle. But I want to tell you this morning, church, that there is more for us. It's not just a kingdom of heaven that's on display where we say, come and see. There's a whole different conversation we've got to entertain when it comes to righteousness, peace, and joy that are the kingdom of heaven. And it's the very difference of supplies versus a source. It's the very difference between stocking a shelf... Right, Patrick? And connecting with the supplier. Because I don't know about you, but when I walk away after the huddle, if I have shown up on Sunday morning and I have seen righteousness, peace, and joy, and I have taken what I needed to get back where I needed to be that week, and I walk away and I encounter something that's going to hit me right between the eyes, guess what? My inventory has taken a blow. And I need more righteousness. And I need more peace. And I'm going to need more joy along the way. I want to tell you this morning that God hasn't created the church to be a bunch of inventory managers. He hasn't created the church to be a bunch of 
uh, shell stockers. He's made us to be people who connect to the source so that when times come our way, guess what? On Sunday morning, we've encountered things in such a way that we have put ourselves in a position where we don't take with us, but we submit before him and we allow him to, to, to refine our connection to the source so that when I walk out during the week, guess what? I've got righteousness, I've got peace, and I've got joy, not just for me, but for wherever God sends me because I'm connected to the source. And it's not about how much I have on my shelf. It's about how much he has on his. And when I begin to tap into him as the source and not just the shelf stalker, it changes everything. If anybody's hearing me in the house this morning, say, yeah. This is amazing, church, because guess what? That tells us that there is a purpose for us beyond the huddle. That means when I walk back into my world after Sunday morning, and guess what? I find out on Tuesday that I've been let go from my job. Or I find out on Thursday that I've got another dog that Dr. Black is saying needs to be euthanized. Or guess what? When I find out that someone in my family has been diagnosed with something I wasn't prepared to encounter. Or maybe the bank calls and says, listen, if you can't pay this, we got to come and get it back. But if I find myself as a shelf stalker, then there's one thing that's going to be true in my life. That when my inventory is depleted, then i got to come back and get some more. And that works for some of us. Or let me say it this way. It has brought us, some of us, to where we are this morning. But we've been made for so much more. We've been made for so much more. Because when we connect to God as the source of these things, it's in knowledge that it's his kingdom, not ours. Then we position ourselves as we come together and we can never be too refined. We can never be too clean. We can never be too great a conduit for the kingdom of heaven to flow to us, in us, and through us so that wherever God sends us in this world, we don't have to worry about managing our inventory. Amen? Amen. It's a game changer, y'all. The church is to be the kingdom deployed. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 says this, But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 says, Jesus, these were his instructions to them, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Can I tell you what I believe has shifted and is shifting even now among us this morning? When we acknowledge and we are acknowledging that it's not about fixing us. It's about surrendering to him so that he can flow more freely through us. 
And through that process, we find that the things that we used to take great care to keep on our shelf so that we would have them in times of need, guess what? They are readily available, not just for you, but for those around you. And the harvest that he talks about in Luke and the workers that are so few, he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I believe this morning that the Lord is saying, my inventory is plentiful. My inventory is abundant. I have more than you could ask or imagine. But what I'm lacking are those people who will join me in supplying it to the world. Whenever I walk into a a situation that needs righteousness, guess what? The Lord's got it through me. Whenever I walk into that situation that needs joy, guess what? The Lord is going to supply it through me. Whenever I walk into that situation that needs the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, guess what? The Lord's going to supply it through me. This changes our approach to the huddle. This means that the way that we've been existing has limited us in our ability to engage what God is doing among us. Live sent. To live the abundant life in Christ wherever God sends us. It means that we can't just pride ourselves on our ability and our capacity to manage the inventory of righteousness, peace, and joy that is the kingdom of heaven. Because we're always going to need more than what we can supply. But to find ourselves connected to the supplier in such a way that there is an increasingly amount of supply that flows to us first in us second and through us to the world where he is planted. That way we can be the light of the world. And it, it, it warrants our, our coming together in the huddle, but it justifies our sending out to the line of scrimmage. I don't know how you came today, how you walked into this place, but I want to tell you that there is more for you. There is more righteousness, peace, and joy than you could ever exhaust. There is more righteousness, peace, and joy than the world around you could exhaust. The Lord has created us to be his workers, his suppliers in this world. The invitation is for you to surrender. Acknowledge that this is what you were made for. You have a purpose that ushers in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And you will find no greater righteousness, peace, and joy until you join God about his great work here. Please. Don't walk away from this place today without positioning your heart in the posture of surrender so that you can lay down 
the flesh that wants to just manage inventory and show up when you think you need to, but so that you can tap into a supply and an experience and a life that will blow your dreams away. It's why we're here, church. Don't look back and regret it. For somebody here this morning, you've never known the life that comes for and through the kingdom of heaven. That's the name that is above every name. That is the, the reason we sing today, Jesus, our Savior. If you don't have a connection to Jesus, maybe today is your day to begin that journey of connecting to him in a way where these things flow powerfully in you and through you. It'll change everything. And for many of us in this room today, I, I know that we've settled for managing inventory. And it's not from this point forward about trying harder to do better. We need the power from the Holy Spirit to fill us up so that we can suppress the inventory manager when we walk out of this place. To resist that tendency to just go and sit on the sideline until we come back or feel we need to come back. But so that we can engage with God the greatest life that this world has known and that you have ever experienced. So in just a moment, our worship team is going to lead us in a time of response and worship. Our ministry team is going to be here at the front and the back of the room. If you need prayer for any reason, the altar will be open and available for you. There's so much more for which you've been made. God never looks at us and says, you blew it. You've, you've extended and exhausted your options. You should have done something sooner. God always says, yes, come. Come to me. I'm looking through my son at you, and all I see is love. And I see righteousness. And I see peace, and I see joy, and that stirs in us the only appropriate response. Worship. Surrender. Mission. So I want to ask you to stand to your feet, and I want to pray for us this morning as we close our time together. Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, Father, we ask this morning that you would lead us beyond where we've been because, Father, we know that there's more to life. And Father, that you would give us courage this morning not to to take a greater level of responsibility, but to assume a greater posture of surrender. And Father, for somebody here today, it clicked today. We praise you for that. We pray your blessings over them. We, we pray your, your protection over them from the enemy and his attacks on their mind and their heart and their body as they leave here because we know that his greatest fear is that the people of God would align with the purposes of God as they stand on the promises of God. So Father, we declare your glory in this place. We've dwelt with you in this time. May your purposes come to pass now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for any reason, you come.